Well, this series that we started last week, and we've got today and one more Sunday on it, is really setting the tone for just our church moving forward on what it looks like to not just have a faith, but to grow in that faith, to take even ownership of your faith. Out of Matthew chapter 4, that's where we'll start, Matthew chapter 4, we get a story of how Peter and even some of the disciples, how their journey in following Jesus began. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Then Jesus shows up. Verse 19, Jesus called to them, come and follow me, and I will show, how, show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Their lives forever changed the moment they said yes to following Jesus. Verse 21, a little further up the shore, Jesus saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets. And Jesus called to them as well. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. That moment when you say yes to Jesus, the moment your faith journey, your faith story begins, when Jesus calls you and says, hey, hey, you, follow me. And it does, it requires us to leave things in order to take those next steps in following Jesus. But from that moment you say yes to Jesus and yes to his calling to follow him, we grow in our faith. In fact, right here we just looked at Peter, James, a few others, where if you were to look at their life here, which we have very limited knowledge of what their life would have been like, but limited knowledge of here in Matthew chapter 4, where they first said yes to Jesus, fast forward to the book of Acts. If you start reading through Acts, especially in Acts chapter 2, 3, and 4, you see a very different looking Peter. A very different looking man who started years before saying yes to Jesus, but his faith a couple years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, keep going, his faith grew and actually looked a little bit different. I would hope that would be the, the same for us as well, where when you say yes to Jesus, if you fast forward a year, five years, 10 years, 30 years, 50 years, you look back and you still have faith. So it's not the fact that you did and don't. It's the fact that my faith grew over time. I, I experienced things. I went through things. The Holy Spirit developed things in me. My faith as yours continues to grow over the years. That's part of that ownership piece. Here's a, another way to think about it. This is my daughter's bike. For those of you in the back, nice big pink bike. Not my bike, but if you grew up riding a bike, guess what? You probably had a bike exactly like this. Maybe not pink, maybe not with the stars and hearts on it, but you had a bike that was about this size when you first started learning to ride. So we all started with a bike like this. In fact, my bike growing up was very similar to this, just not pink. So if you were to see me in my neighborhood cruising around our streets, on this cool pink bike, you would have some questions for me, wouldn't you? You might take a look and say, why is that grown man riding a little girl's bicycle? In fact, it would be even more strange if you saw me in my neighborhood riding this bike and Becky, my wife, was, was running alongside of me, holding the back of my bike seat, keeping up with me as I pedaled on through my neighborhood. You would find that a little odd, maybe a little strange. In fact, you might rethink the choice of church that you attend and are part of. <laughs> You're like, there's, not so there's just something not right about that. Right? No, what you would expect is to see me on a, on a grown man's bike. And oftentimes in our faith, we 
we don't grow with our faith. We don't allow God to do the work of the Holy Spirit where he grows our faith in us. The bike is the exact same way. This is, like I said, my daughter's bike, Colin's bike. It's her very first bike that only had two wheels, but you know, it started with training wheels. And then eventually she grew up and we took the training wheels off. But even with the training wheels off, I'd still hold the back of her seat and, and I'd be right there with her as she rode and learned to ride. And now she's at the point where she can ride without me, but I still need to have her in sight. So she's just kind of going up and down the driveway, but she's going to get older where this bike isn't going to be big enough for her, or it's going to be too small, so she's going to need a new bike, isn't she? Still a bike, but she needs a bigger bike. And eventually she'll be able to ride around the neighborhood without me or her mom watching, and eventually she'll outgrow that bike, she'll need a new bike, and so on and so forth. Our faith has a similar pattern of growth where, yes, we say yes, but guess what? The Holy Spirit's job in us, part of his job in us, is to continue to grow and strengthen that faith so that we can become who he calls us to be. That's what this series is all about. Saying yes to Jesus and starting our faith, but allowing him to continue to grow and strengthen our faith. There's three parts to this that we're looking at. We started this last week, and I said they kind of build, so let me catch you up real quick. Last week we said your faith is who you are, not what you do. Oftentimes we confuse those, where we think our faith is just a list of to-dos, that our faith is just a bunch of things that God says, do this, don't do this. We feel like our faith is just the check boxes, well, I need to get through these things. No, those behaviors are important. We're going to talk a lot about those today, but our faith is who we are. Our identity changes in Christ first. In fact, we even see that with Peter and his brother Andrew here, where Jesus says, come follow me so you can do all these things. No, no, he says, come follow me and I will teach you to fish for people. Their identity changed. No longer were they just fishermen. They were fishers of men. Their identity changed the moment they said yes. And that's what happens to us. When we begin our faith in Jesus, our heart changes. And that happens because of him, not because of things that we do. So our faith is in who we are, not what we do. Second part, which is what we're looking at today, is that your faith always applies it always applies and it impacts everything every day. Everything every day. Oftentimes we view our faith, uh, faith as something we take off the shelf when we need it and we put it back when we're done with it. We say, well, it's Sunday morning. Let me go grab my faith, take my faith to church with me. When I get home, I, need, I don't need it again, so I'll grab it next week. Some of us feel like our faith is only in difficult times. Well, oh, man, I'm really struggling. It's time to pull my faith off the shelf and I better start praying. I need God to show up. Oh, it worked out. Okay, let me put my faith back. I don't need him anymore. Oftentimes we view faith as this, when I need it, when I don't need it. There's parts of my life where I need my faith. There's parts of my life where I don't need my faith. There's decisions I use my faith on. There's decisions that I make on my own. But faith, deep, true faith, is saying, no, it applies all the time. And it impacts every single choice and every single decision and every single interaction and every single relationship for the rest of your life. Every moment, our faith is applying should be applying. Like I said, we're going to talk a ton about that today on what that looks like to live out this daily faith and how we grow in it every single day. Next week, we'll wrap up and help us understand that our faith gives us purpose, that your faith, the moment you say yes to Jesus, your identity changes. Yes, what we do and how we, how we think and talk and act, yes, those things change, but our purpose also changes. 
And because of your faith, God has given you a purpose. And I'll, a little spoiler alert here, there's a big difference between potential and purpose. And oftentimes we go through life trying to just reach our potential, be all that we can be. But have you recognized what God has called you to do and who he's called you to be? We're going to look at purpose and how your faith gives you a very specific purpose. I said this last week, that I'm praying as we grow as a church together in our faith, in our individual faith. You own your faith, I'll own my faith. We're going to let Jesus change us from the inside out. But I don't want you to be able to stand on your own two feet through life. I want you to be able to stand on your faith in Jesus through every moment of every day through your life. Let's pray and we'll dive into how it applies daily. Jesus, thank you so much for the faith that you have given each and every one of us. Regardless of where we are at spiritually with you, regardless of where our faith is at, just starting out or not even have started out yet, all the way to to growing and maturing and living out our faith and everywhere in between. Holy Spirit, would you move into our lives and open our eyes and our hearts to how you want to move in us, how you want to change us, who you want us to become as we follow you in faith. Speak, Lord, for we are listening in your name. Amen. So there's a word I'm going to use a lot today and moving forward. Today is not just, uh, hey, here's the message. We'll be done. We'll never really talk about this again. Like, No, this is going to give us some good common language moving forward as a church on what not just it looks like to have a faith, but what it also means to continually, daily grow in our faith and for you to grow in your faith. This word has a lot of different meanings to a lot of different people, so let me say it, and then I'm going to help you understand how I'm going to to define it today and moving forward. It's the word deep, deep. We can fault a lot of things in life for not being as deep or not deep enough in relationships and in church world. We might say, oh, that's a little too deep for me. I'm not ready for that. So let me help you understand what I mean by deep. If you think of a pool, usually there are two ends of the pool. What are they? What's on one end? Not the deep end, but the shallow end. And then, yes, then you have the deep end. So the shallow end of the pool is super easy. You don't even need to know how to swim if you are in the shallow end of the pool. Why is that? State the obvious, because what can my feet do? They can. That's right. I can touch. The whole point of the shallow end of the pool is I can touch the ground. So if I get into trouble, if I have a problem, if I get a cramp, if I don't know how to swim, no big deal. I'm in the shallow end of the pool. I can stand on my own two feet. Oh, but the deep end. The deep end, you cannot touch the bottom. The deep end is over your head. The deep end requires you to become more dependent because it can't just be based off of you. So when I say deep faith, I'm not talking about, oh, we just need to know a lot more and we need to dig in a lot more and I need to understand more. I need to do more. Like there's going to be maybe parts of that, but that's not the idea behind it. Deep faith is saying I am in a place spiritually with my faith where I cannot touch the bottom, which means I need to depend more on Jesus. Deep, I'm equating to dependence. The deeper you are in your faith, the more dependent you are in Jesus. Another way to think of it is like this. The shallow gives us control because I can stand on the ground. My feet can touch the bottom. Shallow gives us control, but deep, oh, the deep drives us to depend. The deep causes us and even requires us to depend 
more on Jesus. So what I want to be able to do this morning is help you not just understand what that deep end of your faith is, but to take a step into the deep end. So again, regardless of where you are spiritually, regardless of where your faith is at, we all need to be able and be willing to take next steps into the deep end. Because here's what I would imagine is the case for just about all of us. I would say where you're at today at one point, this felt deep. Showing up to a church at one point was a big step. It might still be a big step for you. This might be, no, no, trust me, I'm in the deep end. At some point, it's not going to be the deep end, though. Just like with a bike, at some point, I'm going to have to grow with my faith and allow the Holy Spirit to grow me. So I'm hoping, praying, that you would recognize what that next step into the deep end looks like and be willing to take it. For some of you, it might just be getting in the water and starting your faith. Just like we read on Matthew chapter 4, Jesus says, come and follow me. And at some point you say yes and you get in the water. But it doesn't end there. No, it begins there. A journey of taking steps into the deep end to make us more and more dependent on Jesus. So let's look at that story. We're going to actually follow Peter a little bit. So Peter went from Matthew chapter 4, where Jesus first called him out of the boat, saying, actually, leave your boats, leave your nets, come and follow me. We're going to look at another story where Jesus gave him a similar call, a similar invitation, also to take a step out of a boat. Here we go. Matthew chapter 14, verse 24. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble. They were far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. Understand the situation. Understand the environment. These, many of them fishermen, were very comfortable on the, on the lake, on the sea. And here they are in trouble. They're thrown into the deep end, so to speak. They're far away from land. They're in trouble. Heavy wind, big waves, and they recognize we're in over our heads. So let me just say two things real quick. One, sometimes you don't choose to jump into the deep end. Sometimes you're thrown into the deep end. But the other part, isn't that where our faith grows? Isn't that where God continues to work on us and grow us and develop us? And that's what we're going to see happen here. Here's what happens next, verse 25. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw, saw this, they saw him walking on water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. Verse 27, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Don't miss that, that Jesus is right there in the deep end with them. In fact, he's further in the deep end that he's walking on the water there in the safety of their boat. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if, don't miss that, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. If that's you, I'm not sure it's you. I'm not positive it's you. It kind of looks like you, but this whole situation is kind of freaking me out, so I don't know exactly what's going on. But if that is really you, invite me to come out there with you. So Peter called to him, Lord, if it is really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Verse 29, yes, come, Jesus said. He looks at Peter and he says, let's go. It's really me. Let's go. Take that step. See, Jesus is calling Peter into the deep end. Just like he continually, the moment we say yes to him and our faith begins, it's step after step after step, it's invitation after invitation after invitation of Jesus calling us to take another step into the deep end. Take another step into the deep end. 
Now, a few things about the deep end invitation that Jesus is giving Peter here. First of all, it feels like that would make the situation worse. Like we're out in the middle of a storm. It feels like the safe thing, the smart thing, the right thing would be to stay right here in the boat. Yet Jesus says, no, 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 come on. Leave that, take a step into the deep end. It seems like that would actually make things worse. Jesus, how can that possibly get better for me? It's already a scary situation. How is stepping out of the boat and towards you into the storm on the water, how is that supposed to make this better? Oftentimes those calls into the deep end, we want to know, how does that step make my life better? Surely Peter was thinking, how is this going to help me or anything right now? Yet Jesus is calling, step into the deep end. The other part of this calling that Jesus gives to step into the deep end, if it was anybody else saying, hey, Peter, come on out to the water. If it was anybody else asking, the answer would have absolutely been no. But because it was Jesus... Peter's considering it. <laughs> so often the things that Jesus calls us to, the life Jesus is inviting you to, the steps he's asking you to take, if it was anybody else asking, you would be saying, no, I'm good. But because it's Jesus and stepping into the deep end, remember what does that do? It requires us to be more dependent on him. Okay, Jesus, because it's you. I love how similar these callings are. The Matthew 4 of when Jesus first said, come and follow me, all the way here in Matthew 14, where Jesus says, yeah, come out on the water. See, Jesus doesn't ask you once and then he's done with your life. He says, come and follow me. And you take a step and you follow him. He's like, now come follow me. And you're like, really? I said yes once. Wasn't once good enough? Oh, but the life that we're gonna live together. Come on, let's go. Okay, if you say so, and you take another step. And he says, that was awesome, but guess what? Here's another one and another one, and another one. And he keeps calling us deeper and deeper and deeper. He's calling you into the deep end. Take that next step. So here's what he does. Peter obviously says, yes, if you know the story, here's how it unfolds. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. It's incredible. It's a miracle. Many of you have heard that story before, that Peter actually walked on water as he walks towards Jesus. But, verse 30, but when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to, what happens? He begins to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt? See, it's the whole point of the deep end, isn't it? The whole point of taking a step into the deep end is that we would become more dependent on Jesus. So if you take a step into the deep end, I'm telling you, you have to even more than you ever thought, you have to keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Because the more dependent we are on Jesus, that's the deep end. The more you step into the deep end and you're growing in your faith, it's going to require you to be more and more dependent on Jesus. And the deeper you step, guess what? The more dependent you're going to have to be on Jesus. And the more you take a step into your faith and go deeper in your faith, the more dependent that's going to require that we are on Jesus. The same is true for Peter. When he stepped out of that boat, stepped onto the water, he was utterly dependent on Jesus. His eyes had to stay on Jesus. But what happened as soon as he started looking elsewhere? He started looking elsewhere. He sees, what am I doing? <laughs> this wasn't very smart. There had to have been that moment for Peter. 
kind of got caught up in the moment. Like, I think it's Jesus. I don't know if it's Jesus. It might be Jesus. He's telling me to walk on the water. I've never walked on water before. This can make a cool story one day. So why not? So I'm going to step out. And as he steps out, he's like, this is awesome. I'm walking on water. But there's also the moment of, whoa, 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 whoa. What, what, what did I just do? <laughs> and he turns around and the other 11 disciples are still in the boat. He's thinking, this is not smart. This was stupid. I should be back there with him. And he starts letting his mind wander and his eyes wander. And all of a sudden, he starts to, what was the word again? He starts to sink. He starts to sink because his eyes got off of Jesus. If you take a step in the deep in church, I'm telling you, you're going to have to become more dependent on Jesus. And the moment we don't, we begin to sink. Now, I want to talk about sinking just for a little bit because... I think Peter and the idea of singing gets a little bit of a bad rap here. First of all, I'm trying my best. I don't know this, but I'm trying my best to put myself in Peter's shoes. And if I'm Peter and I get out of the boat in the middle of a storm, I start walking on water towards Jesus. And yes, I get a little distracted and I start to sing. Jesus saves me. Thank goodness. But then for Jesus to reach out and say, why are, you, why are you doubting me? Where's your faith? Why do you have such little faith? I almost feel like Peter would be saying, or at least thinking, wait, excuse me? What do you mean you of little faith? I'm the only one out here right now. What about the rest of them? I'm at least doing better than they are. They didn't get out of the boat in the middle of a monsoon. But here I am, Jesus, trusting you and trying to go deeper in my faith. And where are you of little faith? I'm the only one out here. I feel like I want Peter to get a little bit more credit, but Jesus makes such a good point. Not only were your eyes off of me, but I think we learn a lot about sinking. So often we do not want to take a step into our faith, a step deeper in our faith, because we're afraid to sink. We're afraid to fail. We can't see how this possibly could work out. But notice what happens when Peter began to sink. Two things happened. The first, Peter had to say something. What did he say? Save me. By definition, dependence on Jesus means you need to ask Jesus for help. Sometimes you sinking, failing, gives you the best opportunity to be dependent on Jesus. We are so, f we don't want to have anything to do with failure. We feel like we're doing something wrong if we're failing. Can I encourage you to maybe flip part of that thinking? That in Peter's moment of failure and sinking was the moment he was even more dependent on Jesus. Nobody else could do anything to help Peter in that moment except Jesus. So the fact that he was sinking actually gave him a chance to go a little bit deeper and to become even more dependent on Jesus. That was the first thing that happened. The second thing that happened is what did Jesus do? He grabbed him. He got him. In fact, Scripture says immediately Jesus caught him. Had a little teachable moment there with him, but he still got him. So possibly, maybe, just maybe, your moments of failure, your moments of sinking, actually give you an opportunity to be more dependent on Jesus, and it gives him an opportunity to show you his goodness and his faithfulness. Just maybe. Because in the deep end, we must be fully dependent, or at least more dependent, on Jesus. Here's the next part, last part of the story. So Jesus caught him, immediately reached out, grabbed him. You have so little faith. Why'd you doubt me? Verse 32, 
when they, that's Jesus and Peter, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples, that's plural, then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Do you remember how this story started out? When Jesus comes walking out onto the water and the disciples freak out and they're all terrified. And Peter even's the one that says, it's like, if it is you, if he wasn't sure who it was or what was happening, he says, if that's you, Jesus, call me and I'll come out with you. If it's you, then he takes that step out after being called out into the deep. And he experiences not only a failure, but a saving by Jesus's hand. And then they get back into the boat and it's no longer if it is really you. Don't miss the growth that Peter experienced. It's not if it's you, Jesus, it's no, you really are the son of God. I have no doubts in my mind at this point. Did you notice how his faith grew? It went from, is that really you? To walking on water into the deep end. To sinking in the sea, more so in the deep end. To Jesus saving him by his hand, further into the deep end. You really are the son of God. Our faith grows in the deep end. That's where the Holy Spirit grows and strengthens your faith, is in those choices, steps, life situations, and environments where you cannot stand on your own two feet, where you cannot touch the bottom, where you become even more dependent on Jesus. That's where our faith grows. Your faith will grow in the deep end. I made a big deal about it being plural, right? Then the disciples worshiped him, not just Peter, but all the other 11 that did not take that step out of the boat. They saw this whole thing happen. So just by watching one person take a step into the deep end and then another step into the deep end and watch the whole thing unfold, it actually did something to grow the faith of all the other 11 safely in the boat. Don't miss that. That when we take steps into the deep end and our faith grows... We are not responsible for other people around us and their faith. That's, again, they have to own their own faith. However, when people around us get to see the goodness and faithfulness of God in our own lives as we're in the deep end, it does something in their faith as well. It helps them begin their faith. It helps them grow in their own faith just by seeing what God does in your life. Now, I want to talk to parents for a moment here. Uh, there's just something here that is super applicable to moms and dads. Now, if you're not a parent, your kids are all grown or not married, whatever the case is, this is going to apply and you're going to have to filter this through yes in my marriage or yes in my relationships or yes in my family and whatever the case might be. It's going to apply across the board. But I want to speak the language of parents just for a couple minutes here. So I don't want you to miss the power of what we just saw happen with Peter and the other disciples. Right? So your kids are constantly watching you. You know that, right? I know that. I've got my three kids. Like They're always watching me. They mimic what we do. They say what we say. They begin to think even like we think at times. And they see us do so much. In fact, just last night, I was in my, in my bathroom shaving, getting ready, and, and, and Connor's just watching me from out of the bathroom. I'm like, will you want to shave with me? And he's like, really? And I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, I didn't give him a real razor, of course. Some of you got real nervous. I was like, what are you doing? No. So I was like, come on, come on. So I got him in the bathroom with me, and we both get all lathered up, and then I, I, I get the real razor. I give him the fake razor, and I'm like, here's how you do it. And it was so awesome watching him, like, just shave with me. Here's the two of us shaving away, and, and he's having a blast. He's just mimicking everything that I do as we shave. 
Your kids are watching you do everything. My kids watch me shave. They watch me spend money. They watch me go grocery shopping. They watch me do so much. And then I'm convicted because I'm like, well, they see me go grocery shopping. They see me even budget with Becky. But do they see me tithe? They see me go and do all kinds of different things in life. But do they see me serve? They see me singing like a crazy person in the car just to be goofy with them, but do they see me worship at church and what it looks like to give your life to Jesus in worship? They see me read stories to them, and we do bedtime stories, and that's part of their homework, but do they see me in God's word for my own faith? You see where I'm going with this, mom and dad? Your kids are watching you, and they see you do so much do they also see you grow in your own faith? Show them. Let them see you. Let them watch you worship. Let them watch you wrestle with the problems of budget and still giving your first to God. Let them see you serve others, not because you get anything out of it. Let them see you dig into God's word, not having all the answers, but wanting to just learn more of who he is. Let them see you live out self-control and gentleness and goodness and kindness, no matter how we're treated. Let them see it. Let them see you in the deep end, mom and dad. And watch how it impacts their faith. Watch how God uses your deep end decisions to impact their young, childlike faith. Sometimes we get thrown in the deep end, but every single day we can choose to be in the deep end. Don't wait for life to just throw you in there. It's going to happen if you're not there right now. It's going to. But can I challenge you to choose it? We said earlier that our faith applies all the time. It applies in every situation, and it's something that happens in our lives that we choose it every single day, the decisions and choices we make. What would it look like for you to choose to take a step into the deep end daily? To depend more on Jesus daily. That every decision, every choice you make causes you to depend more and more on him. What is your next step? Because Jesus is doing this like he did Peter. Come on. Let's get you to a place where you cannot touch the ground. Let's get you to a place where you cannot touch the bottom. And watch what happens in your faith and in your life. Now, let's get super, super practical here. We're going to switch tone just a little bit. So these cards that are sitting on, on your seat or you are sitting on them, make sure you have these. We're going to go through these. Let me explain. There's two of them. There's a smaller one and then a bigger one. I'm going to start with the bigger one, the one that actually says deep on it, deep faith. So grab that because we're going to walk through this. Here's why this is important. I said earlier, this isn't just like a Sunday message. No, this is common language for us as a church moving forward even. Because it's just so important that we learn to own our own faith and wrestle with our faith. Let me give you a, a, an overview on what these are, and then I'm going to give you some time to actually like think through these. So this one will go home with you. Obviously, I want you to put it someplace where you will be able to see it daily. You'll notice that it actually spells deep, because you can't be a real church without making sure that everything spells something. You're right? So, yes. 
So here's what deep faith stands for. It's these four parts, and they're basically four questions that I hope we will all continually wrestle with in our own faith as we allow Jesus to grow and strengthen our faith. So let's walk through it. The first part, dependable. A deep faith means that you are dependable. In other words, the more you depend on Jesus, that's what deep faith is, you are depending on him. But as you depend on Jesus, guess what? Other people are going to depend on you. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about how we as the church are the body of Christ. That's how we are described. And we're told each of you has a part in it and of it. So that means if the arm decides to not show up, the body suffers. If the foot decides they're tired, nah, you can't really, I'm, I got other things to do. Well, then the whole body suffers, right? We are in this together. We are part of something bigger. In fact, that's the question. How am I doing my part for my church? The statement would say, my faith makes me a significant part of something bigger than me. So can people depend on you? Can your church depend on you? Can your family depend on you? Can your friends depend on you? If not, that might be one of those callings where Jesus is saying, let's get a little bit deeper. Depend more on me so others can depend on you. Dependable. Are you dependable? Are you doing your part for your church and the people around you? Equipped. How am I making myself ready for what's next. The statement says, my faith makes me ready for life and relationships. This is where you do, you get a little bit deeper. Ephesians 4 talks about how it's church, the, the church leadership's job to equip the people. Why? To grow in their faith. The, the word mature is used in, in Ephesians 4, to become mature. Why? So that anytime we're told something or a new teaching gets brought up, you're able to discern, hang on, that doesn't sound like the truth. I need to be firmly founded in the truth. And we're not swayed back and forth every single time something happens in life or we're told something in life. No, you're equipped. You know the truth. And you're ready for not just life, but also relationships. You know what it looks like to be a, a spouse that also loves Jesus. You know what it means to, to be part of a family that is focused on Jesus. Doesn't mean you do it right all the time, but you know what it is and you know what it looks like. You are equipped for life as well as relationships. Next one, effective. Effective. How am I doing the right thing for others? The statement says, my faith leads me to do the right thing. Effective. Think about the fruit of the Spirit with me for a second. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Let's use that as an example. So a fruit tree is only effective if it bears fruit. If it doesn't bear any fruit, it's, it's not helpful. It's not effective. And even the fruit itself, take an apple. The apple is not for the apple tree. The apple is for others to enjoy the nutrients of the apple. So for you, the fruit of the Spirit that is developed in you, that the Holy Spirit produces in you, guess what? Patience is not for you. It's for the people around you. Joy is not necessarily for you. It's for the people around you. Self-control even isn't just for you. It's for the people around you. Do you see the whole idea behind effective? That because I'm growing in my faith, I am producing something that is actually helpful for other people. Jesus said, the Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. Am I being effective in how I love others and how I treat others? Am I making a difference effective? Last one is passionate. The question is, how am I influencing others to start their own faith? The statement would say, my faith compels me to help others start their own faith. We've been talking a lot about Peter today and his first call in Matthew 4. 
him stepping out of the boat into a deeper faith, and quite literally the deep end in Matthew 14. If you go to Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4 is after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. In Acts chapter 4, Peter, as well as James and John and the rest of the disciples, they're all telling people about Jesus. Well, Peter gets arrested. He's arrested for telling and proclaiming the name of Jesus. And the religious leaders look at Peter and say, you have to stop telling people about Jesus. Stop. And they beat him and they said it again. Now stop. We're serious. And you know what Peter's response was? Acts chapter 4, verse 20. Peter says, I don't know what to, this is my paraphrase, by the way. He says, I don't know what to tell you, but I cannot help telling other people what I have seen and what I have heard. I can't help it because of what Jesus has done in my life, because of what I've seen, because of what I've heard and who I am. Passionate. Do we tell others? That's our mission. We're going to talk a lot about that next week. To go and make disciples, telling them everything that Jesus has said and done. Are we passionate about it? So as you think through these four and asking these questions, am I doing my part for my church? Can people depend on me? Am I making myself ready for what's next? Am I equipped for life and relationships? How am I doing the right thing for others? Not just knowing it, but living it out. James 1 says, don't merely listen to the word, do what it says. And how am I influencing others to start their faith? Do I have a passion for what Jesus has done in me already? A step into the deep end is honestly answering one of these questions. That's your next step. Now let me give you some behind the scenes in church world for a second. In Big C Church, not just our church. There's something I think we've done as a mistake. This is an opinion for a second, so just hear me out. If you go into any church, most likely we will all tell you to do like these things. Not necessarily in this order, but attend church, serve, give, and invite other people. That's kind of like what we tell you to do. And most churches and church people do a very good job of those, not saying those things are wrong. But you'll notice as I went through these questions with you, I didn't tell you what to do. I could easily tell you. I mean, I've, I've got my own list. I could easily say, here's how you're more dependable, and here's what it looks like to be equipped, and make sure you're doing this so you're effective, and to be passionate, here's how you share your story. Like, I could go all through those with you, but here's what you would be missing. You would be missing the conversation of, between you and the Lord. And I want you to wrestle through these questions. I want you to, to seek Jesus through these questions. I want you to struggle going from the boat to the water in the deep. And like, I want you to struggle with that a little bit so you know where he's calling you. Now, I'm happy to help walk you through those. If you're not, I feel like I need to be more dependable, like, Brian, what do I do? I would love to have that conversation with you. I'll be happy to tell you the needs in the church and how you can help out financially and with your time and with your resources. Like, I'll have that conversation with you, but I want you to seek the Lord in prayer through the question first. I'll be happy to walk you through on what it means to be equipped and which parts of the Bible to really study and lean in on and what great resources you can find. I'll be happy to do that, but I want you to struggle with the question first. You see what I want you to struggle with? I want you to wrestle through this. I want you to be ready for where Jesus is going to take you in your faith. But to own your faith says, I will take that step in the deep end and wait and see what he does. Your faith will grow in the deep end. That's his job. Our job is to take that step into the deep end. 
All three of my kids continue, they've done these before, and they continue to do swim lessons. We want them to know how to swim. We want them to be confident swimmers. When they first started swim lessons, they, of course, they get the kids into the water in the shallow end, and they do simple stuff like put your head in the water, put your face in the water, blow bubbles through a ring. They just do goofy stuff like that to get you used to the water. As the kids get more used to the water and being in the water and they start, start to learn just what it means to swim, by the end of the class, they take all the kids down to the deep end, the 10-foot part of the pool where there's a diving board. And it happens every time you see it with every kid where they walk out to the diving board and they pause. Freeze might be a better word. And they don't know what to do because they can't touch here. This is much deeper than anything they're used to, and they're not great swimmers if they're even swimmers at all. But after they get into the water and they jump a couple times, you cannot get these kids off the diving board. They have so much fun. In fact, this is my oldest. When he first started learning how to swim and got to the diving board, you can tell he doesn't care at this point. He's like, let's go, full on jumping into the deep end where I promise you he can't touch. But there's a part of this picture you don't see. All the way here to the right, where the picture cuts off, there's a guy named Rodney that's over there, and he's, he's my kid's swim coach. And you know what Rodney's doing the entire time my kids are frozen on the diving board? He doesn't come any closer. He stays way over there. He says, Connor, you got this. Connor, come on, this is great. Connor, I'm right here. Connor, I promise nothing's going to happen to you. Connor, just jump in and then swim to me. Connor, you're ready for this. Connor, don't miss out. Connor, take the dive. And as timid as he is at first, I promise that kid will not leave the pool by the time he's done. I have to drag him off the diving board. Oh, I want that for you. To step up to the end of the deep end and to jump because it makes you more dependent on Jesus. And guess what? You might sink but I don't know a better way to become more dependent on Jesus than sinking in a place I can't touch. Allow your faith to grow by taking next steps into the deep end. So here's how I want you to respond. There's two cards. I talked about one. This card is for me. The small one's for me. The big card is for you. And I want you to take that home. And these are questions that I want you to look at every day. During this next song, I'm going to ask you not to stand up. I know that's typical. You stand up at the, the last song. I don't want you to stand up on this last song because I just want you to pray, think, meditate, reflect, wrestle. And during this song, I want you to write down a next step. Be as specific as you can. Don't just write dependable. Okay, well, what's your next step in being dependable? Is it serving? Is it giving? Is it a hundred other things? that would allow other people to depend more on you. Maybe there's a relationship that needs to be reconciled. Maybe there's an addiction that you need to just stop with. Maybe you do need to just pray and get into the habits of prayer. There's a lot. Like I said, I'm happy to walk you through what those might be if you're not sure. But during this next song, pray about, wrestle through, and then write down. Every single one of us, me included, has a next step. Would you write it down during this next song. Jesus, thank you so much for what you're doing in our own hearts with our own faith. Jesus, if we haven't even begun to get in the water, we recognize we start there. Our first step is having faith in you where we recognize we're not perfect and we do need a savior, that we are sinful and we are desperate for a savior. So if we haven't said yes to you yet, that's step number one. Jesus, yes, I need you and I want you in my life.
And that's just the beginning of our life with you. May you continue to speak to us. Show us clearly in this moment of prayer what that next step into the deep end looks like for each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.